Amen. Great job, great song, good thought. Go ahead, get in your Bible to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, if you don't have a Bible with you, there will be one near you. It's got a hard black cover. We'll be on page 793. I am glad that Jesus promised never to leave or forsake his people. I'm glad that in the middle of a dark night, he's there. I feel bad for people who don't know Jesus as Savior. I feel bad for people who say they know him, basically have almost no benefit of that in life because of the way your heart is so hard. I would to God this morning you'd repent. Jesus is a great Savior. In fact, for several months on Sunday mornings, we have been talking about things that he said exclusively to his disciples. Sometimes things he said were exclusively to someone who did not know him. Other times things he said were to a crowd that was a mixture of believers and his disciples. Still other times he spoke exclusively to his disciples If you think that all Jesus did when he came was try to keep people out of hell, uh, though that's the first reason he came, to seek and save that which is lost. If you think that's all he did, you misunderstand him greatly. There were times when he did that. There were times when he spent his time with his disciples, preparing them for life and preparing them for eternity. Uh, And last week, we talked about a new commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples on his last night with them. Uh, it was not new because loving other people was new. That was a commandment from way back in Leviticus chapter 19 to love our neighbor as ourselves. It was new because the standard for how we love had changed from loving our neighbor to, as ourselves to loving our neighbor as Christ loved us. And so we spent some time at that point talking about the great depth of Christ's love for us and that he died for sinners and he died for the ungodly, not just for his family or friends or those who were like him. We also talked about our love for one another being the distinguishing mark of a group of people who claim to be his disciples. We rejoiced in Christ's love for us and we challenged ourselves to be warmer and to love one another more deeply. Now, on that light, last night, before his passion, there were several things Jesus taught his disciples. Some were difficult for them. I mean, imagine how hard it is to hear Jesus say to love one another as I loved you. Other things were him preparing them for what was going to happen next. They didn't know that just a few short hours away he would suffer and die. They didn't know that. Uh, From their perspective, this was just another night with the Savior, another night where he taught them, another night where they personally interacted with him, but he knew what was coming. And he was preparing them for something they did not know was right around the corner. By the way, I'm glad that Jesus always knows tomorrow and he prepares his people today for that tomorrow. By the way, he's preparing you and I today for a tomorrow of some sort as well. 
You may not agree. I personally believe we are in the last days of the last days. Now, that may mean Christ's return is tomorrow. That may mean the Jewish calendar is correct and his return is 200 years away. I don't know. But I do know this. The Bible says that one of the things that will characterize the last days of the last days from Luke 21, 26 is men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. There are a lot of things that characterize American culture. One of the things that characterizes our culture today, and I think the world in general, is fear. Fear that is so deep that it affects people's hearts. I rather doubt there's ever been a time in history, even though there have been some very bad wars in history, I rather doubt there's ever been a time in history where Americans were as afraid and it affected their heart to the degree it does today. Fear of COVID, fear of government overreach, fear of the Democrats, fear of the Republicans, fear of the Congress, fear of the Supreme Court, fear of Russia, China, Joe Biden, Donald Trump. Fear of Christianity declining, the family declining. Fear. Fear of big business and insurance companies' control. Fear of the immoral jamming their agenda down our throat at every turn. Fear of the public school. Fear of private school. Fear of home school. Fear of major media outlets and their lies. Fear of inflation. Fear of recession. Fear of crime. Fear of death. I hope you understand there's a certain amount of fear that is a healthy fear. It's a healthy fear to say, you know what, I'm not going to jump off this tall building. By the way, it is also a healthy fear to fear God. In fact, the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's a kind of healthy fear of God you ought to have whether you're a Christian or not. And on and on go the list of unhealthy fears that are causing so much anxiety. I've never in my life heard so many stories of teenagers and young adults suffering from all this anxiety. Fears causing abuse of alcohol and drugs. Fears causing insomnia. Fears causing so much discouragement and depression and darkness about tomorrow. Did you know that Jesus had something to say to his disciples on his last night about their heart being troubled. If you're able to stand, if you would stand this morning, please, in honor of the word of God. What did Jesus have to say exclusively to his disciples? Here's the title of our thought this morning. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. John 14 Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Thank you. Might be seated. It was Christ last night before his passion at Calvary. Anyone who knows it's their last day uses that time carefully. Jesus knew it was his last day, and he chose to spend his last hours with the apostles, even though they had no idea he would soon suffer and die at Calvary. I would imagine if they knew what would soon happen, they would have asked different questions. If they would have known what would have happened, they would have behaved differently. They would have listened better. They would have been in tune with what he was trying to tell them, but they didn't know. He warned them multiple times through his ministry of his upcoming suffering, death, and resurrection. In fact, I could show you six times at least that he warned them. But they didn't hear him. They weren't listening. Though they were great men, they were just men. And sometimes people only hear what they want to hear. After Judas left them that night to betray Jesus, Jesus then hinted at what would happen to him, but they still didn't understand. Chapter 13, verse 33, he says, Little little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. And then he gives them the new commandment we talked about last week. Imagine how they would have felt hearing, hey, I'm going away, and you can't come where I'm going. Listen, for three years, maybe as much as three and a half years, they had went everywhere with him. And now he says, I'm going someplace and you can't go. They didn't understand. They were saddened. And they overestimated themselves. Verse 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Of course, Jesus was going to die, and Peter eventually would too. Verse 37, Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I'll lay down my life for thy sake. Hmm, that's quite a statement of confidence. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? I think he smiled here. The Bible never records Jesus smiling or laughing, though he smiled and laughed. There's a biblical reason for that, and you have to check it out. Jesus instead tells him at the end of verse 38, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the Cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. In response to them being troubled and not understanding what he meant by going away, Jesus tried to comfort them in verse 1 of chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Do you ever have someone close to you that you recognize that they were beginning to be troubled and they looked ahead at something coming up and you saw them beginning to worry and be bothered and you just tried to comfort and encourage them? I mean, that's basically what Jesus is doing here for his closest disciples. By the way, if you don't think you're ever susceptible to this, understand that these 11 men who remain were hand-selected by Jesus, personally trained by Jesus. These were the men who would carry on his ministry that would eventually reach the world when he went back to the right hand of his father. And these men 
were beginning to let their heart be troubled about what he had told them. There's something comforting to me and should be to you knowing that as a disciple of Jesus, I do not have to let my heart be troubled. This morning, if you have a heart that is overly troubled and you are one of Jesus' disciples, then you are letting something happen that you do not have to let happen. Listen, some of the anxiety in here is anxiety you do not have to have. Let not your heart be troubled. Some of the insomnia you have here because through the middle of the night your mind never shuts down and you just wake up on this or that or the other thing. Listen, some of that is not something you have to have. Let not your heart be troubled. All over this room and within the sound of my voice are people who struggle with discouragement and depression and dark things that constantly beset you and make you think so ill and hopeless about the future. Understand, you do not have to let your heart be troubled like that if you're a disciple of Jesus. In fact, keep your hand there, go up in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. Paul, in like manner, spoke to the believers in the church in Philippi about this issue of having a troubled heart. There's world peace, there's peace between one another as we get along, and then there's internal peace. Let not your heart be troubled. I want to say to every true child of God here this morning, you do not have to let your heart be troubled. You can have a peace in your heart that is not understandable or explainable to the people around you. Notice what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Did you see the result of the recipe? In verse 7, the result of the recipe is the peace of God that passeth all understanding, keeping your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Did you catch the recipe for that peace? Remember, some promises of God are unconditional promises and God just simply keeps them because He is God and promised. Other promises of God are more like a recipe. They're conditional. God says, you do this and I'll do that. And in this particular case, there's a threefold recipe to having the peace of God that passeth all understanding. You say, Brother Wally, we just read that recipe and it's different from what Jesus said that night. It is because God has more than one way for His children to find peace. Paul is going to give us a recipe here, and in a few moments, we'll get to a recipe Jesus had. You say, why? God wants you to have peace. Because if you're a child of God, you do not have to let your heart be troubled. Listen, it is no secret that many things around us are collapsing. They're not collapsed. There's still hope. God is still on his throne. Christ is still king. The Bible is still the word of God. But understand, they're collapsing and we need God's intervention. And we need his peace. Did you catch the recipe from verse five, verse 6? The first part, be careful for nothing. 
Don't worry about, give excessive thought to, or be anxious about anything. Nothing's a big word. Don't let anything give you excessive thought or worry. By the way, that's going to take some mental discipline. You're going to have to, by the grace of God, catch your mind going someplace it shouldn't stay and say, uh, Lord, please help me not allow that to dwell in my mind. Did you notice the second part of the recipe in verse 6? He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. The second part of the recipe, we need to choose to take everything to God in prayer with thanksgiving. Do you notice the contrast with everything and nothing? Most people's prayer life is more like, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. That, that's not conversation with a loving father. See, when you're comfortable with God as your father, you're comfortable talking to him about everything. And you let nothing overly load your mind and your heart. And taking everything to God in prayer is the way you do that. Notice the third part of the recipe in the end of verse 6. It says, let your requests be made known unto God. Uh, We have not because we ask not. We ask and receive not that we may consume it upon our lust. In other words, so many of our requests are selfish. You know, I wonder how many people here this morning really have the peace of God in your heart in your situation. By the way, that, that, that's not, if you're here and you're a teenager, you can have the peace of God in your heart. Amen. This is not, well, if you're 21 or over. Listen, if you're saved and you're careful for nothing, you, you do not let uh, the cares and the worries excessively dwell in your mind and you take everything to God in prayer. You talk to Him just like He's with you 24-7 and you make your requests. No, you know, God, I'm really struggling here. Could you help me? God, I'm, my mind right now is just getting the best of me. God, would you help me? I, I wonder how many people here have enough faith to the last thing you do before you... Close your eyes to sleep and say, dear God, you know, I can't control my mind as I sleep. I commit my thoughts to you, Holy Spirit. You do that, and he says, the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. By the way, that's a great promise. And if you go back to John chapter 14, Jesus, as he is dealing with his disciples on the last night who are troubled, he is going to also give them some ways, a a practical way we can get a hold of to not let our heart be troubled. On November 13, 2015, there was a three-pronged, coordinated attack in and around Paris by Islamic terrorists. There were 130 people killed, over 400 wounded. Not surprisingly, social media was all over this, and there was a hashtag that went everywhere, hashtag pray for Paris. And some people found that helpful and comforting and uniting, but everybody didn't 
find it that way. There's a French cartoonist. Her name is Joanne Safar, S-F-A-R, and she didn't like the hashtag. The interesting thing about it is her particular company, company, 10 months earlier, had also been the victim of Islamic terrorists when her company had published a cartoon that was negative about Muhammad. Here's what she said about the hashtag. Quote, friends from the whole world, thank you for hashtag pray for Paris, but we don't need more religion. Our faith goes to music, kisses, life, champagne, and joy. Hashtag Paris is about life. Can, can I just say if there was peace in champagne and kisses and those kinds of things, our world would have internal peace. But the peace of God that passeth all understanding does not come from those things. Listen, our world is obsessed Monday through Thursday with what it's going to do on Friday and Saturday because their reality is not good enough to go through sober. You and I, on the other hand, if you are a true disciple of Jesus, you and I have the ability by the grace of God and the Spirit of God living in us to never let our heart be troubled. And Jesus is going to give his apostles some advice on how to do that. What, what should I do when my heart begins to be troubled? By the way, it happens when events occur in our life that we don't like. It happens when events occur in our life we don't understand. It happens to us when the everyday cares of life overwhelm us. It happens when people close to us make bad decisions. It happens when the consequences of our own bad decisions come home to roost. It happens when someone wrongs us. There are hundreds of reasons our hearts begin to be troubled. How is it that I don't need to let my heart get troubled. What should I do when my heart begins to be troubled? Here's number one. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse one of chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Now before we get to his advice for his disciples, understand that if you want this promise, you must first become his disciple. You must become a believer in the Lord Jesus. Understand, Jesus didn't just point people to his Father. He did that. He pointed people also to himself. I mean, understand that if he was anything other than the Son of God, God manifested in the flesh, he had no business ever pointing anyone to him as the answer for eternity. But he was the Son of God. <laughs> Now, in our world, and in, I'm sure to some degree in this room, there are many different people, things, and religions people trust for everlasting life. Trust to get them to God. Jesus is very clear in verse 6 how you get to God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen, if being sincerely religious was enough, there would have been no reason for Jesus to come. It's a sincerely religious world into which Christ was born. If being a good person was enough to get to the Father, there would have been no reason for Christ to leave the right hand of his Father, the praise and adoration of angels, for the hatred of this earth. There would have been no reason. There are a lot of people around who were good as man looks at goodness. 
It is very different to trust the Lord Jesus for eternal life than trust something or someone else. What are you trusting? You know, most people don't like the narrowness of that message. By the way, if you don't like it, I'll choose to believe Jesus instead of you. He could not have been any clearer. In fact, if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, today's a good day to humble yourself, repent, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in a few minutes, we'll invite you to come. Why wouldn't you respond to the Holy Spirit calling you to repentance and faith in Christ? So I've been a Baptist for 20 years. So what? There's going to be lots of Baptists in hell. So I'm a good person, I'm a better person than this and such and so, and they're Christian. Listen, there are going to be good people in hell. People stay out of hell by having Christ in their life. But that's an application of what he said. The interpretation, in other words, what he meant when he said it. Remember, he's not saying that to the crowd. He's not saying that to lost people. He was talking to his disciples when he said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. Hear me when I say, if you are here and you're our Christ disciple, if you want to not let your heart be troubled, it begins by you believing Jesus in your situation. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, and Christian people believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be, have peace and not be troubled in their circumstance. I mean, think about it. Think about what he's basically telling them. He says, guys, in a few moments, I'm going to be taken by soldiers and wrongly tried. Believe on me. He said, guys, I'm going to be taken in a few short hours, and you're going to watch them beat me in the face. You're going to watch them pluck my beard. You're going to watch them jam thorns in my head. You're going to watch them whip me like a common criminal. Believe on me. Don't lose faith. Believe me. Hear Jesus. He said, you're going to see me nailed to a cross. You're going to see me hang naked between criminals. You're going to watch me mocked by the Jewish leadership. But believe on me. You believe on God. Believe also on me. And I say that same thing to you today, if you're a disciple of Jesus, believe on him. I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you have people problems. I don't know if you have money problems. I don't know if you have health problems. I'm just saying this. If you want to not let your heart be troubled as a disciple, you must trust Christ. Well, I trust God is really in control when I don't understand. Well, I trust God is really working things together for my good when I cannot yet see any good. Well, I trust that God is guarding my load limit and making a way for me in this temptation. Well, I trust that God really loves me and has a plan for my life when I don't feel his love or see the plan. Well, I trust all this bad stuff happening to me is for a reason. Well, I trust that as a child of God, nothing from the devil gets to me unless it first flows through the loving hands of my Father. Amen. You see, trusting Christ after we've trusted Christ as Savior is at the foundation of not letting our heart be troubled 
with all the real-life difficulties we all face. Let me ask you this morning, are you trusting Christ with what's going on in your life? Or are you letting the situation overly trouble you? You cannot do both. You cannot both be trusting Christ and letting the situation overwhelm you. You can't do that. It's one or the other. A lot of different times as a pastor, I will go to pray with somebody before surgery or speak to someone who's struggling or someone who's close to dying. Can I just say, I never know how things are going to turn out, but I always know how things are going to turn out. Did you hear me? For a Christian, I never know how things are going to turn out, but I always know how they're going to turn out. Everything will be okay. Are you trusting Christ with what's going on in your life? Are you letting the difficulties of the situation overly trouble you? But it's not just believing and trusting Christ as a Christian that helps us not let our heart be troubled. And we're all tempted to have that happen. Notice the second thing Jesus said, what should I do when my heart gets troubled? Verse number two, my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I've told you, I go to prepare a place for you. You might have a Bible that says in my father's house are many rooms. I'm sorry for you. According to Revelation, our father's house is about the size of the eastern half of the United States. About 1,323 miles square, east and west, and that tall. Uh, He's got space for more than a room. (laughs) Listen, there's some beautiful pieces of property on this planet, but none of them are anything compared to our Father's house in the next world. Hear me when I say when you find your heart beginning to be troubled, you need to take your eyes off this life to the next one. (laughs) You see, the value system in that city of God isn't like our value system. In that city, they use gold to pave the street and they use precious gems to adorn the foundation of the city. The problems in that city are nothing like our problems. In that world, there's no more cancer, no more violence, no more wars, no more getting old, no more disease of any sort. There's no lying. There's no conflict with loved ones. There is always light because the Lamb is the light of that city of God. In that world, there's no more devil. There are no more evil spirits deceiving and destroying the people of God and all that is good. In that world, there's no more injustice. Everyone will receive exactly what their life warranted. And those who had Christ as Savior, they will live forever. And those who rejected the loving call of the Spirit of God to repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, a lake of fire. And for those who believed on Him and suffered for Him and lived sacrificially for Him, He has rewards in His kingdom. So I don't believe that. We ought to read your New Testament. You ought to stop thinking God is a communist. Everything isn't the same in heaven for everybody. It's just good for everybody who goes. And so when you and I struggle with our faith in some way, Jesus taught his disciples to think about God's tomorrow, his father's house. If you're struggling this morning, where are you looking? 
Listen, looking to God's tomorrow helps our struggling heart. Thomas Anderson's a financial advisor. He writes for the publication Personal Finance. He said this, quote, When storm clouds gather over the economy, people often seek shelter in a glass of whiskey, a pack of cigarettes, or the green blaze of a roulette table. And so because of that, he and other financial advisors, when the economy goes south, they uh, counsel their clients to invest in tobacco, alcohol, and gambling. From what I understand, that in the 2000-2002 recession, the S&P index went down on an average of 47%. Casino and gambling stocks went up 115%. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, I'm going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> my point isn't to give you financial advice. In fact, I would say, generally speaking, that's not my strong point. But what I will say is this, is there is no real solution to real problems and troubled hearts in gambling or drinking or smoking pot. Amen. All those things do is further take someone down a road to troubling in their heart. Amen. So Brother Wally, what should I do when my heart is troubled? Lastly, this morning, John chapter 14, verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What should I do when my heart gets troubled? Think about Christ coming back for his people. Now, I'm not going to talk about that this morning. Because, Lord willing, we'll talk about that next time. But I just simply want to say this. There is no advice I can ever give you to keep all things that trouble you from your advice, from your life. We live in a broken world. You and I are fallen people, and the people around us are fallen people. There's nothing you and I can do to not have troubling things happen. But I can say to you, the more sin we keep out of our life, the better off we'll be. Amen. And when you find your heart beginning to be troubled, decide to trust Christ. When you find your heart beginning to be troubled, Look forward and upward. <laughs> when you find your heart being troubled, look for the blessed hope, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. This world, if you're a true Christian, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Amen? If you quietly stand.